0: hello everybody jordan here the ph is silent and in this episode of the saturday morning DD show we talk about boats and shite the new book from wizards of the coast title pending we also talk about uh one-on-one game sessions one dm and one player and how that works and and what's the benefit of that so stay tuned Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Saturday Morning D&D Show, the triumphant return of the Saturday Morning D&D mm-hmm. Show. My name is Jordan with a silent PH in the middle, and I'm joined always by my good friend and co-host, Sir Lucian, over at Sir Lucian Gaming. Say hello, sir.
1: Hello, everybody. I'm um, here. I'm and out of bed. He's I here.
0: He's out of bed. He's got quite the cold. <laughs> yeah, uh, I do. We were just talking. We are like, oh, man, are you okay? He's like, yeah, I'm just, mm. just a little out of it is all. Yeah. So- <laughs> It's so it's going to be a, a very chill it's a chill saturday morning as we <laughs> as we just casually talk about D D news and and what's going on in the world of dungeons and dragons yeah so All good morning everybody good. we got uh people in chat this is awesome yeah,
1: it's good. I see some recognized names. Thanks for those of you that are saying, uh, I hope you feel better because they all knew earlier in the week when I posted that I'm sick and I can't run any games <laughs> this week. They were all bummed out because they're super excited about the campaigns, but, which is cool.
0: So, yeah, you're not doing any Dungeons & Dragons then for a little bit?
1: Not this week. I had to take a week off for sure um, just because I couldn't. like the. Sometimes when you get like um, the sore throat, you just can't talk like yeah. i could probably play a game but i don't think i could sit there and narrate here's what you see here's what you guys are doing and it just wouldn't be able to i didn't think so i didn't even go to work hardly i went two days of the of the week and uh so well, i don't know I hadn't been a, it's in a year so it's, it comes around <laughs> sounds like a good time to time. do some
0: D prep i guess like yes. prep a whole bunch of stuff that you can do Um, reminds me of the, the, we did the 24 hour and by we, I mean me, I did Mm -hmm. the 24 hour stream or part of it that nerd immersion Ted from nerd immersion was doing. Mm -hmm. And I guess like when, by the time he got to my group, because he was DMing for 24 straight hours and then he had different groups for two to three hour chunks. By the time he got to my group, it was only halfway over and his voice like sounded almost shot. Like he just was losing his voice from talking so much. And I guess by the like 3 a.m. mark, he had to uh, bow out and just be like, I can't talk like we got to we got to stop the stream. Sorry, we didn't make the full 24 hours. He's done the full 24 hours in the past, but just something about this one, he lost his voice. And I was like, yeah, that's rough. And you as the dungeon master do most of the talking. So it makes sense. (laughs)
1: Yeah. I do a lot of training of software where I'll have lots of people in and I'll talk throughout the day. So we'll do full day trainings. Mm -hmm. And if I do two of those in a row, my voice gets like it is now. And if I try to do a third day or a fourth day, it's almost to the point where I lose it. Like you actually just, it's gone. Um, So it's crazy how much you can overuse something like that. And it just disappears on you. And it's just like, Oh my God, what, what's that? What happens now?
0: Yeah. When I was teaching children's theater, I was talking constantly because you're teaching and you're interacting with kids and you're doing all this stuff. And um, there was a week where I'm like, I'm going to lose my voice. And sure enough, by day three or something, I lost my voice. Mm -hmm. And uh, I still had to go in and teach because, like, we didn't have replacements and I didn't have sick time and sick days, just the nature of the job. And I did a lot of, like, miming to the kids. I'm like, I want you to go over here and do this. But, like, I didn't even have whispers. Like, I was just really... Yeah, and their kids, they, like, talk over you, they get loud, they get rambunctious, and I had no way to quiet them down. So I remember I would just look sad, and there would be, like, three or four kids, they're like, guys, he can't talk. You have to be quiet. It's like, okay. It's good times. Yep. But- so for those
1: of you that are dungeon masters out there, if you're going to be doing long games, take care of your vocal cords. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm a bunch of... Stuff there in chat.
0: Tea with honey. There you go. There you go. <laughs> um, but this isn't the l- We've Got No Voice show. This hey. is the Saturday morning D&D show. <laughs> this is um, the No
1: Pity show.
0: This is, yeah. So we're going to dive <laughs> into uh, some of the news. Um, so we yes. missed last week, and apparently last week they dropped quite a bit of news of on this new um, this new book that's coming out that we still don't really know the title of that um, Lucian and I have just been calling the Boats and Shite book. Uh, because it's funny Um, but they revealed a couple of pages from the new book and it looks like it's a remake of an AD&D Greyhawk adventure called The Final Enemy Um, so a lot of people online are speculating that this new book is going to be um, like Tales of the Yawning Portal it's going to be a collection of of older adventures that have been modernized for fifth edition Dungeons and Dragons, um, and this one in particular, the final enemy is actually the last one in three adventures that are chained together. So it starts with the sinister secret at Saltmarsh, and then danger at Dunwater, and then finally the the final enemy. So those three modules. So I'm wondering if the book is going to be just those three modules, kind of like put together and and I'd be and surprised. That's it. Or what I, do you think?
1: Yes, I'd be surprised because like you said, that's Greyhawk. Um, now we did have now something to support that theory, right? We get a Mike Merle's Lore You Should Know Greyhawk edition this past week. So you might say, okay, we're talking about three modules that were Greyhawk edition. We just got some lore you should know. Are they building us up? But the other thing I thought was interesting is Adventure League just released their Skull Port adventures for more of the season and we know that skull port is part of the yawning portal and the dungeon of the mad mage because you can get to skull port which is under undermount which it's is in Forgotten Mountain, realms. Yeah. so then i was leaning towards are we going to get this type of you have skull port but then it sends you into whatever is in the waters around skull port which then would keep it in the forgotten realms and not go to Greyhawk, but still we could still have, you know, Sahi, Sahagin. I, always, I looked it up before, but there's a lot of different ways you can say it, I think, <laughs> and a lot of different people. I want
0: to say it's Sahagin. Sahagin is, is Sahagin. Uh, some people call it that. Um, Sahagin, I think I've heard Sahugin. people say, but yeah. we'll go yeah. with Sahagin. You, can, you can tweet at Lucian later and yell at him for saying it <laughs> incorrectly. The so and then you can welcome to my world where I make U- yeah. Forgotten Realms YouTube videos and all people say is like, you're pronouncing this wrong, you're pronouncing this wrong. The yep. comments of my videos are just fantastic like that.
1: <laughs> and, uh, but then on spoilers and swag, you know, um, Nathan said we're not going to release any new campaign settings, period, this year
0: hmm.
1: So it'd be weird if they jump to a set of adventures that are Greyhawk. Adventures.
0: But so I they're in I'm, I'm playing, I guess uh, they could totally take this adventure and just place it in the Forgotten Realms, though, because there are yeah. Sahagin in the Forgotten Realms. They could mm-hmm. create some kind of underground city for them to or underground underwater city for them to live in. Um, and, and, and so even though it's a Greyhawk adventure, I feel like they could place it in the Forgotten Realms and maybe that's what they're doing. I don't know.
1: Yeah. And it definitely was, um, it was very dungeon-like because the two pages they showed us, Mm -hmm. they showed us an underwater, almost like Thunderdome-ish picture that showed, um, fighting lobsters, right? And that, that almost made it feel like it was an entertainment thing in a city somewhere. Um, so we we must be going to be able to see an underwater city that's mm-hmm. probably ran by these creatures. And then the adventure has to do with somehow those creatures. And we know if we do Sword Coast, that it could fit anywhere in Sword Coast. It could fit Skullport. We, I, I would assume it could fit anywhere like near Skullport. It doesn't feel like anything is pushed us back towards the rest of faerun though so it still feels to me like we're still kind of centered in sword coast area at this point i feel like but i don't know we haven't seen it quite yet um they've got the the big stream has already been set for dates and where it's going to be at they Mm -hmm. spoiled that and they said they were gonna make it bigger and better than it was last year um, so we'll have to see that more celebrities, more. You know, and that's more. when
0: they're really going to announce the book, right? Like, I think so. And that's in, actually, I, sh- I shouldn't have even said that. Cause I don't know. Uh, I think that's the one that's in May. It's in May. Okay. I was going to say March, but I was like, that seems too close. It's gotta be right. May.
1: <laughs> I think, I think we'll have an announcement before that. Cause they're going to want to tell us what the name of it is. I, I would assume. Uh, but it's got to leak by then because they got to start telling these people to show up. And these people need to buy tickets to get there and get the sets built and all the stuff they're going to do and all the games are going to run. Because it sounds like it's a lot of YouTube celebrities and streaming celebrities will be there also. Yeah. So they've got a lot to organize to do that. So hopefully Greg Tito tells us uh, what we're going to get pretty soon. Yeah. So I think it'll be interesting. Um, and you know, underwater adventure, we get some underwater rules. We get some ship rules with that, most likely. We I'm anticipating probably some new sub-races of some sort. Uh, Maybe a full race, maybe a new race of some sort at that point. Maybe a class?
0: I still like my theory that it's going to take place off the Sword Coast around Lantan and stuff, just north of Chult, and Lantan will have the Artificer, and that's where we'll get the new. But, like, I don't know with the release of this, I really think that it's going to be like Tales of the Yawning Portal and that it specifically is going to be... Um, just a rehash of some older stuff with with maybe like maybe here's half the book is the adventure and you're right the other half is like here's some underwater rules and some boats and ship rules and stuff for you Um,
1: and if they do yawning portal they don't necessarily have to connect them they could no that's what i'm saying it doesn't even have to be
0: in the forgotten realms it's just like here's an adventure because that's what they did with tales like tales of the yawning portal was like you know they didn't they didn't try to make uh tomb of horrors fit into the forgotten realms they were just like here's tomb of horrors you know so i don't know
1: i could see that 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 actually makes more sense now that you say it that way too i could see one that's a little bit more they could be loosely connected or they could be used as piecemeal to put somewhere in your campaign depending on where your campaign is get another book like that out early in the year um just to put some more but that's a very gm-centric book and that makes sense because we just had Guildmasters Guide to Ravnica, very all the player base centric, like players can use that, GMs can use that, people that love magic can get that, that was a very nice run. Well that
0: was really a campaign setting, I'm going to disagree with you, I think it was very much for Game Masters, and like obviously fans of Ravnica, but like that book was, the more I read it, the more I'm like this was a campaign setting, like if I want to play in the world of Ravnica, that's what this book was, so. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But I think it's more of a book that players would buy that than they would have bought Dungeon of the Mad Mage.
0: Correct. Yeah, that's true. Like Which more...
1: that one seems to me is more... I mean, there's nothing in Dungeon of the Mad Mage that a player would want except mm-hmm. just to know how that adventure went. Whereas you've got a lock. You, you want the stats for the Loxodon or you want the stats for you know the Simic or any of the other stuff or you just want to know about the lore. Mm-hmm. I could see them buying that book over the other ones. Yeah, yeah. But you're right. It's not like uh, Xanathar's Guide to Everything, which I think is more of a, a better example, maybe, of everybody wants that book.
0: <laughs> but if it has the artificer in it, I can almost guarantee that everyone's going to pick it Everybody's up. Everybody's going to so. buy it, yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> it's got a new class, then it's yeah. going to be player-centric, because the players will have to have it if they want to play it. So it would yeah, be it's interesting. it a while.
0: We were... Um, I was on mm-hmm. D&D Beyond a couple days ago, and I was, we were going through, like, there are so many... Races. They've released so many different races for Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition, but not a single new class yet. And it kind of amazes me that we have like Loxodons and Goblins and Lizard Folk and all this. I mean, they're like when you put them all together, it's there's so many races. And then you go to the classes and it's the same stock classes. And granted, Xanathers came out and gave us some different spin on those classes, but we still haven't had like a, a new class, like yeah. which the ones that come to mind are the artificer and the psionicist, like a psionic kind of class. And so it's interesting to me. I wonder if that's because 3.5 kind of got so bloated with prestige classes and various other things that they were like, we're going to keep the classes. Like people will understand Dungeons and Dragons if we keep it more simple and and based in this is what we offer. Um, And so... Maybe, I don't know, they've been hinting at the Artificer for so long that I really feel like it has to come out in 2019, but I could be wrong.
1: And if they go art and like when we're talking about a new class, because we've seen, we've talked about this a little bit before, we've seen renditions where the Artificer is put in as part of one of the other classes, it's almost like a subclass choice, but this feels like now the way they're structuring is it's, its own class. Mm-hmm. so then artificer, if that's what they call it, would have three subclasses under that Exactly.
0: Oh exactly. Or
1: to say okay, you could be an artificer but you're maybe an alchemist, you're an artificer, maybe you're a, uh, a golem crafter or something or you're an artificer and you're a tinkerer or mm-hmm. you know I don't know what it would be but I hope that's what they come out with and I think maybe that's why it takes so long. Because if you're going to release a new class, you're really releasing something that's going to span through 20 levels, has three different subclass things to it, mm-hmm. doesn't break the balance of the game as they see it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it does definitely feel like it's a bigger endeavor to do. But I think I think we're due. I mean, it feels like we're in that spot now where we need more options for players, but are we giving players too many options are we are we make, like you said bloat right because is that the downfall of any of one of these rpg games when all of a sudden you have too much
0: and i what think it? yeah like and i i go back to 3.5 where it's like oh at the tail end of it like you want to make a character here's like 27 books that you can pull things from <laughs> and people are people are min maxing like crazy because they there's so many options and they're able to like super fine-tune a character um, but that's not everybody. Like a lot of people look at that and they're just like, "I'm gonna step away from that. It looks too complicated." And I think about myself. Like uh, I feel that way with Pathfinder. Like I've ch- I've read Pathfinder and I've 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 tinkered with it, and it looks really fun. But at the end of the day, I'm like, "There's so many books and there's just so many rules and there's so much of this of this." Uh, I, I the only word I can think of is bloat. Where it's just like they they published so much for this setting that. I don't know. And here we are complaining that we're not getting enough for fifth edition Dungeons and Dragons when they're probably on purpose saying, like, let's, you know, kind of trickle this in at a good pace so people have a time to digest it, you know. (laughs) Right. right.
1: And, And that's the thing. We always want more. But then there's always, oh, where's that line of you don't we got too much. They yeah. get us too much or yeah. whatever. And it's not their fault. They're trying to meet the needs of a growing community that's just exploded. Yeah. And, you know, you hear loud majorities of people on the Internet or however they're they're getting their word out there. Mm-hmm. because There's this big group that wants, you know, they want dark sun there's this big group that wants Spelljammer. there's this big group that wants more classes there's this big group that wants more races there's this group that says hey you're going too fast you're releasing stuff too much the books are way too expensive for me to buy five of them a year you need to slow it down you know so there's all these different groups and so which one do you pick when you when you're going through that i think what's yeah, really cool is to? We've some good books um, we've gotten some really good stuff to run games in. I've seen some, um, good campaigns that have started in like the Ravnica series, like, uh, Adam Colwell's running one that, um, Jace must die, which just, super- oh, that's
0: in Ravnica. Yeah. That's it. He's oh, cool. doing a Ravnica series. That's really
1: cool. I've seen a couple other people doing Ravnica. I mean, act Inc went to Ravnica in the last yeah. couple of live shows. So that's been cool. We've seen that, um, We've seen people like WebDM have been doing a Spelljammer-ish style game. They're doing a Dark Sun-style-ish game. So we've seen, you know, the Greyhawk channel does a lot of the Greyhawk stuff. So all of the different little factions out there of us, we're all playing what we like to play. And we like get to make our worlds in the way we want to. So it feels healthy. It feels like um, you can find a game that has lots of different styles um so i think we're in a good spot i just hope that we see some more stuff that just doesn't saturate us and it yeah. doesn't just like you said just over overbloat or overkill or and then start the downward spiral. well like
0: <laughs> yeah and and i don't know uh I, going back i think i said this on the last stream which was like two weeks ago or maybe three weeks ago i said this but uh like we don't really need like Spelljammer and dark sun campaign settings because you can you can just use the the settings that are already there like take the AD&D spelljammer setting maybe you tweak a few things here and there to make it work but it's not difficult to tweak like it's it's the the lore and the history and and the setting are still there in those books and so mm-hmm. kind of going back like we don't really need the we don't need the, the fifth edition stamp of approval in order to play these older edition or these older campaign settings. Um, case in point, you know, Pruitt's Star, Starfinder campaign or Star Jammers or Spelljammer, yep. blah, blah, blah. Spelljammer. <laughs> um, so keep that in mind. And like, it would be nice. What we do need is like rules for things like psionics um, because you can homebrew those, but like, you know, you it would be it would be a lot harder to to balance it yourself as opposed to have something that's play tested and 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 has the stamp of approval from wizards of the coast so but yeah yeah
1: yeah that we don't have
0: yet (laughs) yeah true true so i don't know uh back to boats and shite uh it's going to be i'm excited for it because i i played the hell out of uh Tales from the Yawning Portal, and I used a lot of that stuff for my homebrew game, like a lot of puzzles and a lot of traps that were in the adventures that I didn't end up running, I used. Um, So I had a lot of fun with that book, and I think that's a good one to try out D&D with friends because we were just like, hey, like, uh, I think we finished one campaign arc and my friends wanted to try different characters. So I'm like, I'll just run White Plume Mountain. It'll take us maybe four or five sessions. We'll run White Plume Mountain. And we had a blast and it, it's a lot of fun. So that book I really cherish. And I think it's one of my my favorite D&D books that 5th uh, edition has come out with. So uh, if they come out with something similar, I will i will enjoy it
1: <laughs> and i think skull dixon points out in chat a really good point many people out there who are fans of this genre have put in the time to convert things like even when i i did a the lost temple of theris dune which was an ad and d module there was somebody that went out and did the time to convert that to 5e so just about everything that's out there if there was a fan of it they've decided to convert it to 5e anyway. Yeah. So if you just look around or you search, whether it's DMs, Guild, DriveThruRPG, or some of those other areas. Or just Google. <laughs> you might find somebody who's actually already put in some of the work to say, here's what it would be if you want to run that in 5e. So I found that can-
0: for Spelljammer. Like, there's lots of 5e material that's just homebrew stuff that somebody made for Spelljammer that is surprisingly effective and really awesome. So, yeah. Cool. Yeah. So that's, that's that. News. Uh, we had a question in our comments, which I thought was really cool. And oh go know, ahead.
1: There's one more thing. Uh we were supposed to get the newest unearthed arcana article this week, but it sounds like Jeremy said it was gonna be late. So it sounds like we're gonna maybe get it next week or the, at end of the, the month, very yeah. last week of February, but we will get the it is gonna be the artificer. It is gonna be the class so mm-hmm. we're going to see what the ua article is going to look like so we are going to see it and we should see it before february's out so we'll get a good look at it at some point
0: yeah no that's going to be good i'm looking forward to that because it's been two years since we had an Onar arcana on the artificer so yeah yeah cool. um we had a question in our comments that i thought was really cool that we were kind of talk about here we'll see how long we talk about it um mm-hmm. but basically D;D solo adventure one player and one dm and i've never done this Um, I've heard of people doing this before. It seems not fun for Jordan because I feel like groups of people play off of each other well. But have you ever ran anything like this? Have you ever wanted to run anything like this?
1: It's funny, you should say, because just recently I had to run a one-off session for a character in our campaign. Um, So I guess there's a couple of different ways to look at that. There's like running a a one-shot, with one player there's running a full campaign like each week you sit down with that one player and you run so that's kind of a little bit of a different animal um and i've even seen people start to talk about how to play without a player like a single player that sounds so silly i know it does but there are people out there that um i think that's called writing a book yeah i remember (laughs) as a kid somebody showed me dungeons and dragons and i thought this is the coolest thing ever Mm -hmm. and it was over a summer it was like over just a couple of weeks and then they were gone and then everybody i talked to had no idea either what i was talking about or just kind of laughed at like uh that just sounds like some kid game whatever yeah so i could never find anybody to play right immediately after i was introduced to dungeons and dragons so what i fell back on was choose your own adventure books was as close as I could get as a kid back then to still be able to get this idea of I'm role-playing in a game and, and doing it. So taking that to the extreme. Mm -hmm. So recently in a campaign, we had a character who decided they wanted to contact the Raven queen who is like kind of their pet patron. And I thought it'd be really cool if I just let that character disappear The party couldn't find them. And then later that week, me and that person would have a one-on-one session, like a full-on. We sat down, we scheduled it, and we played a full session of them in the Shadowfell going to see the Raven Queen and what all was gonna. And I had no idea what was gonna happen. Mm -hmm. Like I I wanted to play it as a full-on one-on-one session. And before that, I'd never done anything like that. I'd always played games where we've had anywhere from I think three is the smallest I've ran and the largest I've ran is I want to say seven at this point seven in my campaign um which was a nightmare (laughs) so three was really good four I I like a lot five is where I don't want to go too much past seven was crazy um but i do like this idea of a one-on-one session here's the one thing that i thought that i learned from this the one-on-one session allows you to get really deep into a character's backstory. Mm -hmm. And sometimes there are players that that's what they want. They want to be able to get deep into their backstory, but it can't be done if you have five other players in the group and you have a big overarching storyline that never really touches on what their character does because they're always chasing the big bad guy. And that doesn't have anything to do with their character. So a one-on-one session does allow you to develop a deep background story with a character. But I always find it kind of the 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 trade-off to that is, but I have a few more friends that would want to play, and we don't get enough time to play four-hour games anyways. If I'm only playing with one-on-one, but I still have two other friends that want to play, shouldn't I get them in there too? Because mm-hmm. we only get four hours in a given week to play anyways. It's not efficient. <laughs> but it tells a really cool story, I think, um, when you're doing just one character. So it's very interesting to me to do it. And then I did a second one where again a character got taken prisoner. The group had to run. the The uh, one character got dragged down to the jail cell. And in this one, we just used Discord to talk about what happens for him during this time that he's been captured. Yeah. And instead of a session. We just kind of role-played it out through a forum of some sort, whether it be an email. We use Discord because I love using Discord right now to role-play stuff because we're getting some of the best character role-play I've ever seen in the Discord. When people have time to think about what their character can say, mm-hmm. the dialogue comes out way better than it is on spot. So I'm just I'm a huge advocate for it right now. So we did another session where he's been captured, he finds his way out, he finds his way back, and how does that lead into the story? which is really cool. So I've done both. And I think there's pros and cons, just like any style that you're going to run. You're going to find some pros and you're going to find some cons. And it was fun to take one character and really dive deep into, because I, I kind of played it with this Raven Queen thing, like, hey, why are you calling my name? Who do you think you are that I'm going to deign my presence on you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> why do you keep trying to bug me here? You were like little small fry. I'm the Raven Queen. I got shit to do. And so I, like, I wanted the character to feel uneasy about that whole thing. And it worked out. It really worked out. And I think that that character, both of those people that played those characters where we did some single stuff, sent me messages out of um, the game and said, man, that was really cool and really fun. What's happening with my character now and what, what this whole thing means. Mm-hmm. And I felt good about that. I felt like, okay, that's cool. They really felt like it was meaningful that they were able to do it.
0: Yeah, um, Owen Carey in the YouTube chat said uh, that he uses it one-on-one sessions to introduce a new PC to see how they get into the party. And that was something that uh, I was thinking of, too, because there was a fourth edition D&D podcast called Critical Hit, I think. Um, And I listened to that for quite a while until fifth edition came out. And then I kind of switched over to a bunch of fifth edition podcasts because that's what I was playing at the time. But uh, they started with a one-on-one session where the guy had never played D&D before ever. And so it was more of a, well, let's just walk you through the process of D&D one-on-one. And they were able to... to, He was like... I think he was an elf in the Feywild. And they were like, you're graduating from school, from like Eladrin school. And we're going to have you go through these trials, but these trials won't kill you. If you, if you end up dying, you will be healed kind of a thing. But, but even though they are illusions, you should treat them very real. So he made it kind of like you have a safe place to really explore um, your fighting styles and stuff like that. And there's not a lot of long-term consequences for this. And he was level one. So it was a way for him to kind of like play around and, and explore like, Oh, I can go here. I can do this. Oh, I can do that. And the attention he got was probably really good for a first time player. Um, there's something to be said about sitting at a table and learning from your peers playing, but there's also like being able to continuously play and continuously make decisions and see the reaction of the dungeon master. So one-on-one sessions like that seem really interesting to me. I don't think I could do a campaign or, or like more than a couple of sessions of one-on-one, but I really like this idea, especially if I have like a new player, it's like, why don't you come over Maybe just for an hour, maybe two hours we'll play d and d and we'll figure out your character and we'll figure out how they get how they meet the party so that that character has a backstory that's not something they wrote but something that we played through, and then the dungeon master and the player have a more um synergized view of that character before you know putting it into a regular party so I don't know when yeah, I when I'm we really when like we that. read this conversation when I read this uh question I was like nah, I don't really like one-on-one stuff but after listening to you and just thinking about it I was kind of like that's that's actually really interesting and that could be cool and discord would be great for that too if you have a player that's like willing to just be like yeah I'll, I'll chat it out with you so
1: yeah and and it's really simple to set up a very quick and like here what I liked about it was it was short right cuz you like you just said I could see where I would take a character aside for an hour or two hours or even less run through some weird thing that, because maybe they went right down the tunnel and their party went left Mm -hmm. and we need to figure out what happened to them until they meet back up again. You know, there's just these little, I I think of them as like vignettes of little things that happen to that character. And that's the way I'm kind of treating them to add flavor, to add story depth. And it doesn't take up a lot of my time. If I want to schedule something and say like Danimal was there, he, he, I killed his character, so he was really <laughs> funny about it. But it was like we we got this really cool thing because he's doing a, a sun soul sorcerer, and he's committed himself to a, a god in this campaign. And we got to have an interaction between him and his god. There, they, he got to make some decisions that were binding, and, and we're going to really drive his character forward from where mm-hmm. it was. And it took us about you know I don't know maybe. 30 minutes 40 minutes of typing in discord to do it and then with Iravel, who was the one that wanted to go to the shadow fell that was about we played for about an hour an hour and a half we rolled maybe two dice like he did a perception check at one point he did a history check for something else and we just unraveled a nice little smooth story and it was something cool to fit in here and there throughout the week that i think i had never done before but i want to do more of and like you said, I, if I had read that two weeks ago, I would have said, eh, one-on-one. To me, I'd be like, that's not efficient. I've got a lot of people that want to play games. I've got 30 people in my Discord asking me constantly, hey, when's the next time you're running a game I want to play? <laughs> I can't say, okay, set up 30 one-shots, you know, one-on-ones. Yeah. That's just not yeah. going to work, right? But I do see the value of it now that I've done a couple. Yeah, uh, Building in-depth story, keep them short. Only do a couple here and there. Don't overdo it, Mm -hmm. Um, but it can add some depth in there. And I found it really fun. And it was nice as a GM to not feel overwhelmed with everything that's going on. Because if you have six characters and they're all doing things and you have, I don't know, 12 creatures fighting those six characters, there's a lot for you as a GM to keep on your mind about what does this all look like spatially going on, how much time is passing, What's the world reacting to all this? You've got a lot of stuff going on in your brain. Whereas when it was just one-on-one and all I had to focus on was what this one person said in the dialogue between me and that person and just that moment, it felt really nice and concise. It felt really focused in and I didn't feel the pressure of having to keep everything on my in, in track, uh, whatever my brain wants to say there. I don't know what it Yeah, wants yeah. To say, <laughs> all in sequence. And it worked out. It didn't feel as much pressure because it was just the one person, but it still felt good. It still felt story-wise really fun to play and and good. Yeah,
0: maybe I'll try that the next time I I have that, like, you know, hey, I've got my four players, but that fifth player really wants to come in. I'm like, well, why don't I – I mean, I'm even just thinking out loud, like Hot Springs Island. Like, I have four Mm -hmm. players for that, and if I had a fifth player that wanted to start playing – I would have to take them and be like, okay, how did you get, and we really should do a one-on-one session for how did they get to the island? What experience has, have they had on the island? So that when they inter intermingle with the regular party, you know, they have that backstory. Um, and that would be really fun. So not that I'm looking for a fifth player, but if it happened, so. Yeah.
1: Cause I'm raising my hand. And I love the <laughs> point that you brought up that if it's somebody who's new to the game, that could be a very awesome way to introduce them to the game yeah to take the pressure off them of just throwing him in with a group of people who already have um, ties already have uh, relationships already have etiquette with each other because they've been playing for you know a lot they have inside jokes they have all kinds of stuff and then mm-hmm. you bring that new person in they're trying to fit in but they don't know what everybody's talking about they don't know about oh yeah you know this this Remember that troll with the one eye, huh? uh-huh. and they're just like, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> so yeah, I can see how that could be really cool to bring them in and say, yeah, when you want to use this, you're rolling a D20, you're adding this, you're adding that. They don't feel pressure also because they don't want you to take up a bunch of time to teach them because everybody else is waiting around. So they feel guilty about that Mm -hmm. and they're just like, no, just go on. I won't do that. I'll just, I'll just uh, hold my action or I'll, I'll run over here and not do anything." Yeah. But in a one-on-one session they can feel good about not taking up everybody's time because it's just them, Right. So I, I see now, as after you had said that, that's a great way to bring somebody brand new into the game.
0: Yeah. 100%. So good question. Thank you very much, uh, Jose last name uh, yes. <laughs> i'm really bad with pronunciation so but thank you for a great question and i hope we answered the a uh, little bit of of what you wanted so um lucian have you played any games recently what's going on in the world of, of lucian and D?
1: no the only game i played is laying bed and uh sleep. sleep that's the game i've been playing um actually i did play on tuesday night we played our tomb of annihilation uh we we were finally back after that's a with an artist right
0: an artist yep
1: on a narcissist channel we brought in a brand new um player star she did an awesome job she's brought in a tabaxi um the funny thing actually now that i think about it there is something i want to talk about it happened finally there's one thing like everybody has their their when we talk about role playing games, especially if you play some of the other style role playing games, you might hear people like at conventions and stuff talk about x cards or things you don't like or things that are, you know, kind of push you past your boundaries or just things you're just like I'm not interested in and there needs to be a way that you can communicate that so that people aren't, you know, uncomfortable or whatever. So there was one thing I've always hated that's been it's not like I'm uncomfortable in a bad way it's more like a pet peeve thing mm-hmm. is the i'm throwing my characters in jail there's nothing you can do about it and you're going to be in jail right i've always hated that in role-playing games and i know lots of games will start out that way sometimes they'll have you roll up your characters and then all of a sudden i'll say okay you're manacled in a in a slave ship and let's that's where our adventure's starting." these are your slaves on a on a ship you're rowing and you get, and I hated that. i have always, it always drives me crazy. So this happened to us into annihilation. We get ambushed by an impossible number of creatures that is impossible to fight back. They roll out some gas that apparently if you miss one saving throw, that's it. You're done. You're mm. out. You're just knocked out. And we wake up and we're manacled to a wall in jail. So As it's happening, I can see it's happening. I'm typing over to PB. I'm like, oh, my God, this is the thing that makes me the most salty. This is the thing that turns me as a a fun, happy-go-lucky kind of player, GM kind of guy into, I'm just really mad. I hate this game. This is so stupid kind of thing. And uh, so, But she was like, well, we'll see what happens. And I'm like, I, I sat back for the first time. I said, well, let me just see how this goes you know how bad this is going to be and it actually wasn't that bad of an adventure it wasn't this weird thing where every time you try to do something they thwart you like mm. i want to try to pick this lock well you can't pick the lock the locks this okay i try to find a secret door out of the jail cell nope there are no secret doors okay i try to you know like it seems like every idea you have there's they're thwarting you in some way that didn't happen in this session so i felt Way more comfortable, and I didn't get over salty about it. I didn't get. I just let it play out, and it was actually fun. So it was the very first time that any time I had played in a um, game where I'm I'm a prisoner and you've taken agency away from me. I can't do anything. Um, The GM Anarhis did a really good job of not robbing us of stuff that we wanted to try to do to get out, which was nice. And I think that stems from a campaign where we were in where the, the, the dungeon master wanted to take us prisoner and he had a reason for what he was going to do, but we just fought him tooth and nail. And it was just like, no, I'm not going to let you just drop your (laughs) weapons. I'm going to take you prisoner. Like, no, I'm not dropping my weapons. All right. They're going to knock you out. I'm like, fine. They knocked me out. I'm like, I'm not walking. They can't make me walk. They're going to, you need to move. No, they're not making me walk. Okay. They start cutting body parts. It was like this struggle, back in the day between, no, I'm not going to do what they want me to do versus I'm going to make you do it type thing. And uh, I'm glad to see now as a more mature game player <laughs> later on, Anarsis handled it way better I think than the other GM that I played with did, um, that it was more of a fun experience than it could have been a really bad experience. Because anytime you rob your players of agency is the moment where the saltiness comes out. right? The moment where you tell your player no, you can't do that, that's when you hear the the tone of their voice change. Like, oh, I can't do that. Oh, all right, all right, then. You, they start doing that kind of like, fine. You know, my character can't do nothing. (laughs) I'm just, you know, ah, my character. And we got a little bit of that from PB was because they took our armor, they took her holy symbol away, which was the way she cast her spells. Mm And she was a little salty down there too. She was just like, my character can't do nothing. So I don't do anything. Yeah. Yeah. And I was just like, Oh, you know, this, this could get bad because you don't want that. You don't want your group to turn into that. Right. Mm-hmm. You always want them to feel like they have something they can do, even if they're limited in some way, but it turned out. Well, I enjoyed it. I can't wait to play next week. I, I did get to be ninth level. We are still going through uh, tomb of annihilation. It's a barbarian that I've really enjoyed playing the character. And the party's really fun. Um, so we made it through something that I thought when I heard where it was about to happen, that I thought, Oh God, here it goes. This is going to make me turn into the jerk. Cause I was just like, Oh fine. My character can't do it. <laughs> so nice. Be careful. Don't take agency away from your players.
0: Yeah, no. Um, and I, I'm trying to think character? of like what I would do in that situation too. Yeah, and you do just get frustrated where you're like, so you took my wand, you took my components pouch, you took my weapon you took my magical whatever. Like, what do you want? I me to do? I can punch a punch a brick wall. Maybe <laughs> like, what do you want me to do? You know.
1: Yeah. So yeah. What do you want here? Yeah. And it's hard to. I mean, have have you thrown any of your characters into jail, where they didn't have any of their possessions, they didn't have any of their stuff?
0: Yeah, um, I threw them into jail a, at least once. The Drow captured them and put them into jail, but they were able to. They were able to break out, which was, and I was encouraging them to break out. Um, but it was actually the monk, because the monk is one of those shadow monks that can like teleport within shadows. So they like created some darkness and then teleported out of the of the jail. And then he was able to like go get the keys sneakily and and unlock the door and stuff, stuff like that. So they still had things that they could do, you know. But it is, yeah. I did take away everything. They had to go find their equipment, and that was a really difficult battle because they didn't have their equipment um Mm -hmm. they ended up fighting a drider uh and it was uh but that's where like the monk really shined actually because he's like i've got my weapons right here like you know and so he was able to to tank and dish out quite a bit of damage compared to the rest of them so yeah
1: well our warlock did the misty step and uh she kind of has that that ability to talk and she told my character i'm gonna i'm gonna do something Mm -hmm. and i'm like okay I'm like, all right. Well, and the barbarian really is somebody you can almost not keep shackled because (laughs) when you go rage and you get advantage on athletics checks to break chains and bars and things. Yeah. And even if you set it at a DC 20, I'm getting a plus seven or a plus eight and I got advantage on that role. So my guy just hulked out completely and just like broke the chains wrapped him around his hands. Now I have improvised weapons. I broke the, the, the bars right off of the thing. I think I rolled a 20 in fact, just took it off, heaved it over. And it was really funny to think about, we kind of imagined it was like you jailing the Avengers and the Avengers like, okay, we're in jail right up until we don't want to be in jail. And it was just like, okay, Hulk out. (laughs) And we're just like, crush everything. So it was pretty fun. I enjoyed the adventure. I was worried that it was, I wasn't going to enjoy it, but it worked out. So it was pretty cool. That was my lesson. Give it a shot. Yeah. Don't, don't preemptively get an attitude about how you think something's going to go, which is where I was heading. I was i was thinking, oh, this could be terrible. No, give it a chance to either become terrible or maybe it won't be terrible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, just give your DM a chance to see where it goes. You know, give cut him some slack if you can. So He did a good job on it, so I thought it was cool. Nice. So that was my gameplay. Um, we've got a game that we're going to play tomorrow, which is a John Harper game, so you can see that, which is going to be pretty fun, and I just, I'm just i going to be playing on um, Encounter Roleplay next week, too, so I'll have oh, sweet. In next week's show. I'll have a lot to talk about from that game. It's a 5e game over on the Encounter Roleplay uh, channel, so that is about all I did. I did do a lot of thinking about my campaign. I did do a lot about I'm bringing on a new GM to my campaign and how I'm going to do that. Um, I'm trying to think of the logistics of how that's going to work when you're trying to share a common storyline between a huge expanding West March's hex crawl style campaign and how to let up, how to let go Of some of that tight grip you have on your own story. That creative
0: control you got to like. To bring somebody in. Yeah, yeah.
1: And just how am I going to do it is the other thing. Like how do I, how do we make sure we're communicating the right ideas? How do we keep the theme that I want? But how do I give you enough room as a GM to do stuff that you want to do that's interesting too? Because I don't want you just to do what I'm doing. I want you to have some freedom to introduce some cool stuff Mm -hmm. too. But I want the theme to be the same theme if I can. You know, I want to I want to keep it going. So a lot of that has been what I've been thinking about this week and um, we'll be leading into next week of hopefully getting more GMs in my Seeking Revenor campaign, which has been going just really good. The, nice. the storyline in the last three weeks has been fantastic. So it's been really good stuff.
0: Awesome. Possum. How about
1: Jordan's week in role-playing?
0: Um, we had a funny... Uh, so I'm playing on... Sometimes on Sundays, I play Betrayal at House on the Hill with my old D&D group uh, or Betrayal Legacy, I should say. But when they can't meet, I've been playing my Warforged character in uh, one of my players in Hot Springs Island is running a game there. And it's a homebrew game that he's running. Um, having lots of fun with that. We we are fighting a bunch of trolls. Like trolls are attacking the kingdoms and we're trying to figure out where they're coming from and who's directing them because trolls aren't smart enough. We decided uh, or we kind of discovered that the trolls really aren't smart enough to organize attacks like this on their own. So somebody's manipulating the trolls. Um, I want to say my DM made a custom character and I think Nathan's in chat. So maybe he'll be like, Oh yeah, I made this custom monster and that's what you guys fought. But we had a really epic battle against this monster that sadly we had to end early mid fight. So we took a bunch of photos and we took everything else. And then we were talking and that was Sunday And then we were talking about it on Monday that we're like, we really need to like finish that fight before a week goes by or maybe Jordan can't can't meet with us. And so it'll be like two or three weeks. So we decided to forego Hot Springs Island that Tuesday and get back together and finish that fight and then continue on the adventure. Um, I went down a couple times, but they we found out that the wizard was hoarding uh health potions. So he uh like came over and finally fed me some health potions, or maybe it was the druid. I think it was the druid that fed me some health potions, but all of these all of these other characters had health potions and us melee guys up front, we were like, What? We don't have health potions, like what's going on? But we finished that. We found a giant hole that the trolls were, like, coming out of, we think, or we wanted to investigate it. And this was where I, I know the Eldritch Knight is not the most powerful of characters, and it's kind of, like, the weaker of the fighters. But the fighter class is still really strong, and I like the versatility of the Eldritch Knight. And we ended up jumping down this, like, thousand-foot hole, and I cast f- uh, Featherfall on everybody as a reaction, like, right before we hit the ground. So it was like, whoa and then we like rolled in and fought a bunch of uh trolls that we found at the bottom of that. Now we're the underdark, which is kind of exciting. Um and I like the underdark a lot. I like caverns and exploring it. So it's going to be I'm excited for for where the campaign is going and it's going to be uh hopefully it'll be really interesting. I'm sure it will because Nathan's been putting together like a great campaign so far. Um and we think the drow are manipulating the trolls, so it's one of those like let's let's uh dive in and see if we can find some drow and maybe some drow cities and cut the head off the snake so to speak like we'll just go to the source of it and try to get rid of it in hot springs uh, island
1: like drow as a character because they they're the one type of race character that seemed to be a challenge for rpg groups like the drow a, a group of adventurers. yeah because they have unique spells they have several types of drow that you can use yeah driders and all these other things and they can pose a pretty cool challenge to a group of adventurers
0: and they're always applicable like there are drow that are good for like fifth level players and then there's like the matron mother that's good for like 15th level players like there's a wide range of drow in the cr system so i always thought that was interesting um i'm excited it's going to be a lot of fun as far as Hot Springs Island, we didn't play this week. My players are still mulling over what they, – they got a wish. I think we talked about that two weeks ago. Uh, yeah, they haven't um, used it. And they haven't used it yet. They're still, oh, yeah. like, trying to figure out, like, what's the best use of this wish. Um, but they did find a magical great axe that the Barbarian has. Um, and I didn't invent this. This is in the Adventure of Hot Springs Island. But it does double damage to creatures that are fire-based. And they know that the the guy that they is kind of running the island, his name's Svarku, they know that he's an Efreet, a Freedy. So they're really excited for this. And they had a they had a battle against some salamanders, and these salamanders like whooped their butt last time, but now that the Barbarian had this axe, he was doing double damage, and sometimes he was critting with three D twelve with his great axe, doing double damage with that, and they mopped up these salamanders really well. They're also a level higher than they were the last time they fought him, but <laughs> They're having lots of fun with that, and I'm in a position where we're kind of coming to the end of Hot Springs Island. Like they're going to, they're going to want to close close it up and figure out how do we pay repay our debts? How do we get off this island? How do we save um, the Nightax Ogre tribe? How do we save a lot of these other um, organizations that are within Hot Springs Island? All of them seem to collectively hate Svarku the Efridi. So I think that's where they're going to go next. Like they might do a couple of other side missions to get to level eight or nine, and then they're going to, they're going to dive into that, but they're all really close to level eight right now. Um, Not all of them, but most of them. And we'll see, like, I'm excited to, I think I I said this in another stream, but I went on Reddit and I talked to the writers of Hot Springs Island and I'm like, how do you um, end this adventure? And they're like, well, you can end it, a myriad of ways but there isn't really an end which is intentional like you could potentially just keep playing in Hot Springs Island for as long as you want and that's intentional like that's how they wrote it um that being said i think my players really want like how do we finish this like how do we beat the bad guy how do we how do we conquer Hot Springs Island um yeah. so now that they've got this axe they know where Sparku is they've kind of got like a game plan I'm really excited to see where they take the adventure and I've been slowly prepping certain, uh, end game things. Like I want to make sure that this final battle is really epic. So Mm -hmm. how do I, how do, rather than rolling randomly, how can I kind of prep that ahead of time? So that's what I've been thinking with my hot springs Island. Um, been lots of fun though. So,
1: and then, yeah. So what, what happens after that big battle? Do you guys start a new campaign? Do you?
0: I think we want to. Like we were talking about starting a new campaign. Um, Everybody's got ideas for other characters. And we were even joking the other day, like, like, should we kill off some characters so that we can play some new characters? And it's like, oh, no, 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 no. don't kill me off. Like, I love my, you know, I love my this. I love my cleric. But uh, people are itching at the, you know, they're they're scratching to play a new character, I think. So that's cool. Yeah. So I think we'll play another campaign. I'm definitely game to run another campaign. I don't think I could run. I think Jordan personally, I can't keep track of two homebrew games and I'm not, I don't want to say I'm not creative enough, but I'll say it. I'm not creative enough to, to (laughs) come up (laughs) with two homebrew games and puzzles and traps for both of them. I agree every week. Like, I think I can do that once and I can have my homebrew world and I can do all this other stuff. But if I'm going to run more than one game, it needs to be a pre-written adventure that I can just kind of open the book and be like, what are we doing today? So I own all the fifth edition stuff. So I'm going to be like, you know, I'm still willing to run a game, but we're going to play tomb of annihilation or out of the abyss or storm King's thunder, and maybe run through one of those instead which I've been also really wanting to play some of those adventures that I bought and haven't had to, I've only cracked them open to steal puzzles and stuff from. So it'll be, yeah, cool. I'm still
1: looking. I really, really, really want to get into a dungeon of the mad mage game as a player. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I want to run it eventually, but I want to play it first as a player, be surprised, see where it goes. And then eventually I want to run it. Yeah. But yeah, um, I've been keeping my eye out for any of the games that are that are starting that up and, and running that one because I've I've been watching Roll 20's Waterdeep Dragon Heist and mm-hmm. that's been interesting because you can find the way they set that book up there's four different kind of ways that that whole adventure could be run and it was really cool um, and I think I would run it I'm not there was no big interest in me to to play through that one but I definitely want to try Dungeon of the Mad Mage at some point as a player Yeah. Um, So that'd be pretty cool, but it's cool. And there's, you know, again, all the Kickstarters are starting back up now. So there's a lot of games that are getting Mm Kickstarted again. I saw Lasers
0: uh, and Liches is doing like really well. That's like this fifth edition 80s supplement that's coming out that Mm -hmm. uh, they, they're already funded, but if you want to grab the, the rewards definitely look at, uh, it's, it looks really cool. Like yeah, yeah. laser we interview and... with
1: him way back on yeah. the stand show And it was really cool. Um, they tried to Kickstarter before and it didn't go well. Um, so they, they went back, they went back to the drawing board, they relaunched mm-hmm. it and now they've done a really good job. And Luis, uh, Luis is a fantastic artist. So yeah. that's what drew me to it. But there's that one that I got like uh, Carbon 2160 was another good one that I've Kickstarted. Um, there's just so many of them that are coming out that I, I've been jumping on the Kickstarter bandwagon. And then there's been lots of Humble Bundles that have went around so you could get a bunch of the Numenera stuff. Then there's um, Through RPGs been doing like 80% off a lot of new TTRPGs. So there's like this huge plethora of games that you can get and play. That's right the now, other thing
0: with my Hot Springs so Island group. We were like Should we play another game like can Jordan run I'll run a zero level funnel or do something else and we'll play DCC or we'll play kids on bikes and just you know use this time to experiment with a couple RPGs find one that we really like like hey we really like Numenera let's do like a five week run of Numenera as opposed to just a once a one shot you know so. Yeah, I hear you. It's fun to it's have good. players that are that are creative and, and interesting. So, Oh, Jose is in chat in uh, on YouTube chat, and he says thank mm-hmm. you for addressing his question. So you're welcome. <laughs> well, thanks for the question. <laughs> thanks for the question. Um, well, I think that's, that's it. about it. Do you have anything else you want to chat about before we bounce out of here three minutes early? No, uh,
1: that's that's been it. Um, the comments on the videos have been good. We enjoy going back and talking with everybody uh, through those comments, um, whether it's through here live with us in chat, we're talking to us, you know, on the replays, whether it's the VODs or out on YouTube, and uh, we love interacting with people. Yeah. And we can't wait to have more people. You know, just keep showing up, tell all your friends about the the, the show, and keep an eye out because there's always going to be more. We're just starting out in 2019, and once my cold is gone and my brain age, <laughs> we can start getting more stuff going. And we're we're excited. I mean, we've already got Gen Con tickets. We've got we're getting set up for that stuff so we can meet people out there and play some games and uh, it's going to be good. And we're going to play games with fans. I'm already doing some of that stuff. I want to do more of it. So if you're fans of the show and you're wanting to role play in a game with, with me, uh, maybe I'll talk Jordan into it at some point. (laughs) We'll be able to do that. Hey, I'm I'm
0: not doing theater right now, so I've got more free time to do stuff. So
1: (laughs) cool. So yeah, other than that, keep, keep checking back in, have fun. Um, That's it for me.
0: All right, guys. Thank you so much for coming out. This was this was fun. It was kind of like a more relaxed, chill episode, but I really liked it. So I uh, really appreciate you guys coming out and watching us live. Um, thanks again for all your great comments and questions. And we will see you next week with another episode of the Saturday Morning D&D show. Goodbye, everybody. Bye, transition.